the Sermons Podcast for Ottawa Baptist Church. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. When we look at the scriptures, many times we forget that the authors are telling stories. Whether it's the story of creation or the history of Israel, or even Jesus using parable forms to communicate a point. Storytelling is a massive component of the scriptures. You just think of the way that Jesus taught, again, using parables. Jesus would say things like, the kingdom of God is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Or the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. Now we know that the parables weren't necessarily real events, but they left a significant impact on Jesus's audience. Now, the gospel writers are definitely telling the story of Jesus's life, and they're recording actual events and miracles, but they're not just writing as reporters or journalists. They're using multiple layers to tell an amazing story. The gospel of Matthew is written by Matthew, the disciple, the tax collector, now follower of Jesus. And Matthew is... Jewish, of course. And when we look at his gospel, we see many of the words and phrases that he is using are coated in Jewish thinking. And so it is highly likely that Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. And Matthew does some incredible storytelling. Now we'll get into that in just a minute, but before we do, we want to look at a few things found in the Old Testament that will help us better understand Matthew's Gospel. The Old Testament is marked by a significant event that took place early in Israel's history, and that event is the Exodus. Now, the Exodus is a consistent theme both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But today I want to look at a few Old Testament passages quickly that relate to this significant event. Exodus 4 tells us that Moses was to go to Pharaoh And this is what he was to say. This is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. In Hosea, the book of the prophet, chapter 11, verse 1. Hosea says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Genesis 46. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob. Here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. In Exodus 14, verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Numbers 32, verse 13. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years, until the whole generation of those who had done evil in his sight was gone. So when we look at some of those Old Testament passages, here are some key points that we find. Israel 
is referred to as God's son. We also see that Israel goes to Egypt and spends some time there. Israel is also called out of Egypt at God's appointed time. Israel then passes through the waters of the Red Sea. And of course, Israel wanders in the wilderness for a period of 40 years. What I want to do now is to look at Matthew's gospel in the early chapters. If we look at Matthew 1, verses 23, we read, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We see the connection between son and God. In Matthew chapter 2, Matthew writes, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. In Matthew 3, we see that Jesus was baptized, and he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Shortly after this event, we read in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So here are some key points that we see when we line up Israel's history with the person of Jesus. You see, Jesus was God's son. Jesus also goes to Egypt and eventually is called out from Egypt after the passing of Herod. Jesus, through baptism, passes through water. And of course, Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted for 40 days. Now, Matthew is recording factual events, but he's also using the story of Jesus to retell the story of Israel. So what is Matthew doing here? He's doing multiple things. But one thing that he is doing is presenting Jesus as the faithful Israel. And Jesus' story is greater than the story of Israel. It is a story of faithfulness, obedience, and redemption. What I want to do is just hang out here for a moment and consider the depths, not only of the stories that we were reading in Matthew's gospel, but let's consider the depth of Scripture as a whole. As believers, we know that it is important to engage in the Scripture and to study the Bible. Now, I don't mean that you need to enroll in some university courses, although I wouldn't discourage that either. Even if we as Christians engaged the Scripture and found a study Bible, we will begin to discover and see things that we wouldn't normally see. Now, if we choose not to really study the Bible, we miss the depths of the things that God is revealing to us. You see, God has chosen His written Word as the primary way that He is communicating with His people. This is also found in the Old Testament as God gives His people the law. They are to study it meditate on it, and act upon it. And so when we study the Bible in our age, 
we gain this understanding and the Holy Spirit actually begins to reveal things to us from the inspired text. And in doing this, it deepens our knowledge of God. You know, as a teenager, I attended a church where the pastor frequently used the word Bible as an acronym. He said, Bible means this, basic instructions before leaving earth. Now, I believe that this pastor had the greatest of tensions and intentions and that he meant well. But using the Bible in that way as an acronym, basic instructions before leaving earth, almost enforces this idea that the Bible is simply a rule book for us to follow until Christians can finally escape to heaven. But the method of only looking to Scripture as a how-to guide or a rule book significantly decreases the enormous value that Scripture holds. You see, my relationship with the Creator will not evolve to the place it needs to if I choose to cut myself off from the primary way that He reveals Himself. If I neglect the Bible, I hinder the opportunity to truly grow in the faith and to understand the life that God has called us to live, the life of Christianity. As I think about that, I believe that biblical illiteracy has caused people to astray into harmful doctrine. I believe that biblical illiteracy has given many a superficial view of the faith. And on top of that, not understanding the Bible, especially the work of Christ, as it relates to salvation, can really cause us to rely on our own understanding of how the entire salvation process works. And this is what I mean. The inclination of human beings is if you want something, then just go after it. Work hard, get better, be more disciplined, practice willpower, and so on. And now these attributes are great attributes to have. There are many stories of people building businesses from the ground up. People who have walked on a job at the entry level, the very basic level, and through hard work, determination, and great sacrifice, they've moved up to the senior level of leadership. We often hear stories of athletes who worked hard, who spent extra time in practice, dedicated themselves to their craft and to their sport, and it paid off greatly for them. So for many, if we see our life as a story and we want a greater story, there is this sense where we need to work and earn our way to the greater story. But how does human inclination apply to something like salvation? How does it apply to the Christian life? When we look at Romans 5.12, we read Paul's words, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all had sinned. And earlier, in his epistle to the Romans, Paul writes, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, this is the story for all humanity. Once we've realized this, the question arises, what now? Remember, the natural inclination of human beings is to work harder, to get better, to be more disciplined, build up your willpower, so on and so forth. So this is where a correct understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, is absolutely paramount. 
Because if we don't understand the gospel or the scriptures, then we as human beings will look to our natural tendencies to fix the problems of sin and death that we just read about in Romans. We will also have this feeling that it is up to us to rely on our own strength to rewrite our story into a greater story. You see, ignorance of the gospel will lead me to trying uh, this attempt to work for my salvation, to work to change my story. Unfortunately, there are many people who think, if I can just perform enough good works, then I will finally move into a place where I am worthy of being saved. Many think if I can string together just enough charitable acts, then I can earn this eternal life or salvation. Others think if I can discipline myself to think of others first, or if I begin my Bible reading plan through the year and remain consistent in it, if I do everything within my power to dot every spiritual I and cross every spiritual T, finally, I can be saved. If I work harder, if I gain more willpower, if I get better, I will get a better story. That understanding of the gospel will leave you tired, frustrated, and ultimately will lead to death. Even those in the outside world who admire the teachings of Jesus, his teachings regarding being peacemakers, to love our enemies, to treat every single human being with dignity and respect. People can follow the teachings of Jesus and yet not follow Christ as a person. Now, if someone follows the teachings of Jesus, they may be able to fashion their lives and become better people. But the fact is, is that their story will still end in death. Those who only view Christianity as a self-help tool to make their lives better will be significantly disappointed at the end of their life because the human story, as we're told in Scripture, always ends in death. So what are we getting at here? Let's go back to Romans 3 just for a moment. Earlier we read Paul's words, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what I want to do really quick is to look at the verse before and after the verse we just read. Romans 3.22 through 24 says, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The gospel centers around Jesus Christ and His work. Human beings are not at the center of the gospel at all. So how are we saved? We are saved through our faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he has performed. You see, it doesn't matter how shiny of a story we may have. It doesn't matter how great we perceive ourselves to be because of the good deeds that we perform. Christ is the greater story and it is Christ that saves us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is a very powerful verse and it says this, For our sake... He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
When we accept Christ, the righteousness of Christ is then attributed to us as believers. We are found in Christ and we live within his story, the greater story. The in him truth for believers is everywhere in the New Testament. If we look, we find multiple instances of powerful scriptures that affirm this in Christ truth. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Not only is it important to know that we have been placed in Christ Jesus upon receiving salvation, but this is the place that we live from for our entire lives. Because of our human tendency, our human tendency to say, great, I'm saved. Let me get back to steering the direction of my own life. We have this false assumption as if we move in Christ to be saved. And once that's accomplished, I move out of Christ on my own to carry out a better version of my story. The gospel isn't just a way to get you saved. It's an invitation into a new life. It is an invitation into a greater story. In the early first century, there was a church that was founded in Galatia. And Paul preached Christ to them when he arrived. And he told them, Christ and his work, he is the one that saves you. And he presented to him, to the church in Galatia, a powerful gospel. But after Paul left, some other teachers arrived in Galatia and began to add to the gospel. They added to Paul's teaching. Their teaching was, hey, everyone in Galatia, yes, Paul had some things right, but he didn't have it all right. Yes, Christ is the way to salvation. But in addition to Christ, you must also follow some of the Old Testament regulations, the law of Moses. When Paul heard that some teachers had come in and began teaching a false gospel, he had some very strong words for the church in Galatia. In Galatians 3, Paul writes this, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? You see, even after salvation, there is this temptation to begin running our own lives again. There's this temptation to go back towards human inclination. If I'm saved now, then I must work hard, perform good works to keep my salvation, or I must let God know that I am still worthy of this salvation that he has given me. Again, human inclination and an insufficient understanding of the scripture will harm us greatly. Are works important? Yes. The works demonstrate 
the inward change that God has done in our individual lives. We as believers were created for good works and we are to bear the fruit of the Spirit as evidence of what has taken place in our life. But all of this is done in Christ. So our attention moves from us to Christ and our faith in Him to save us, to sustain us, to work in us, and to keep us all throughout our life. You see, Israel's story was a story that was filled with failure and consistency and faithlessness. And truth be told, our story is the same. But thank God, our Heavenly Father, that through the perfect life of Christ, we are now found in Christ, and He is and forever will be the greater story. You see, Matthew's audience knows the story of their ancestors. Matthew's audience knows their history. And so as they hear Matthew telling the story of Jesus, they hear the story of the faithful one, the faithful Israel, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus, the faithful one, invites those who encounter him into a relationship to be found in him the greater story. Maybe instead of trying to write our own story, we should accept the invitation to walk in the greater story, the story of Jesus. Today, you may be watching this service and you don't know Christ personally. And if that's the case, I would invite you to change that. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, that if we are to confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That salvation is made available to you in this very moment. And so when we put our faith in Christ, there is this glorious exchange. He takes away our unrighteousness and attributes the righteousness of Christ to us. He removes from us death and instead we receive life. We exchange our brokenness for his wholeness. Today, maybe you're watching the service and you know Christ, but you've departed from this good news, the power of the gospel, meaning you're trying to live a godly life apart from Christ and you're left angry and tired and frustrated. You've trusted in Christ to save you, but you have failed to trust Christ to sustain you. If that's you today, I would invite you to change that. I would also invite you to remember the words of Christ found in John chapter 15. Remain in me, Jesus says, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ, you cannot save yourself. And apart from Christ, you cannot live the victorious Christian life. Let us live in him and live in his story. He is the greater story. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. And we thank you for the incredible gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is the greater story. He is the perfect fulfillment God, we know that we are imperfect, and yet you still love us. And through your Son, you invite us into a relationship with you. This great exchange takes place where you remove sin, guilt, and unrighteousness, and you place 
Christ's righteousness upon us. God, we thank you for that glorious exchange. And God, we think of those who are here today or viewing this message online. God, if there are those who have yet to experience your love, God, I pray that through the power of your Spirit, they would begin to experience your incredible love at this very moment. And for those who may have been walking with you for some time, but have departed from the strength that you give us to live out the Christian life, I pray that you would stir the hearts of those who have maybe departed from the gospel to realize that you not only save us, but you sustain us. We thank you that Christ is the greater story. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged through the word today. We pray that you would be blessed. Amen. Thanks for checking out our sermons podcast today. For more information on Ottawa Baptist Church, please visit our website at www.ottawabaptist.com.